we're going. Hello, hello. This is Katie Smith here, Director of Communications for Avalon, and this is the Voices Through Avalon podcast. I have my wonderful counterpart, Access Coordinator Sharon Fincher. Hello, everybody. And we have the very glamorous guest today, Miss Glenda Cook. She is our Wellness Center Director of Advocacy. How are you doing today, Glenda? I'm awesome. How are you, Katie? Really good. Well, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. She is the domestic violence guru in Avalon. Anything domestic violence, Glenda knows. Facts, facts. That's true. Yeah. Well, as many of you might know, uh, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and we thought it would be amazing to have Glenda on with all of her expertise in domestic violence to talk about um, just some important things to note on the topic and ways that you can spread awareness around domestic violence for October. Mm-hmm. So October is definitely Domestic Violence Awareness Month, but I've always been uh, had the outlook that domestic violence month is every month because we always kind of have to um, be aware of what's going on. Um, the issues and violence against women and children have always been my passion. I've been in this field now for almost 25 years. Mm. Um, it's hard to believe. It's still just hard to believe that I've been doing this for 25 years, boots to the ground. So it's something that I'm very passionate about when it comes to my community in the city of Detroit to continue to educate, encourage, and empower victims of domestic violence and sexual assault. Well, as many as people might know, um, domestic violence and sexual assault often coincide. And Glenda is definitely the person that the other advocates in the office go to whenever they have specific questions around domestic violence or need some support in how to file a PPO or navigate the court system in that regard. And so she's really just a wealth of knowledge around all aspects of DV. Mm-hmm. And you say you've been doing it for almost 25 years? Almost is that, 25 years. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I cannot yeah. believe it. I can't that believe it. That means you it. really love it. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. I do. This is definitely my life work. Um, mm-hmm. I started out as a paralegal. I went to school to become a paralegal because I love law. And the more I learned about it, uh, the more empowered I became when I learned how to research law. Mm-hmm. And so my very first job was actually here downtown Detroit at the Women's Justice Center. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to be there just because the name was cool, the Women's Justice Center. <laughs> and I went there every day. It was located inside Central United Methodist Church, 23 East Adams. And they were like, we don't need any help. We don't need any help. And uh, my mentor always said, you dress for the part. I would dress up every day and go there. Mm-hmm. And I just kept asking. I kept showing up there. And they got so sick of seeing me. I told, I would even empty trash because I just wanted to be there just that bad. Wow. And I started off as a part-time paralegal there. And in 1994, they made me full-time after the death of Nicole Brown. Simpson um, that was kind of a pivotal point for the movement itself uh, because uh, more money came in more attention was uh, shined on uh, prevention and that was something I was really excited about and I've been doing it ever since yeah there are there are people in the office that I kind of look up to and towards for like Mm -hmm. guidance with things because you know I know that a lot of us to do this work may have experienced some of the things that we work for or you know because it hits home And one of the things that you always want to do as an advocate is not make your client's situation about you. You know, you you always want to do what's best for the client and meet the client where they are and not really inject any of your own personal thoughts and ideas or things that they're supposed to do, but just give them resources and facts and just offer support and assistance. Um, And I just really admire the way that, like you and Florence and some other people in the office do Mm -hmm. it. 
Um, I really wish I could teach a class on what advocacy looks like mm-hmm. and how you should be an advocate. And and doing it 25 years, I mean, even in, incorporating the self-care component to make you last 25 years is, like, huge because this is a lot of heavy work. And I can only imagine being a, a domestic violence advocate and also a sexual assault advocate to things that you saw over time. But mm-hmm. it's something about it that just keeps you coming back to wanting to help people. And I've seen, you know, your clients and people love you and things like that. So I don't think that we either or I don't think that, that we don't acknowledge people enough and say thank you for, right. you know, the work that you do and really recognize and, and, and you know, and show support and, and appreciation for the things that you've probably endured which even though my job may be difficult to me sometimes, but 25 years of, of grinding it out and mm-hmm. and pounding the pavement and, and probably making things easier for me to navigate as an advocate, like, just thank you for that. We appreciate it. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Sometimes it's good to hear because it kind of have you continue to go on. Um, but one of the things that's really sad is I was blessed with some really, really awesome women who helped bring me through mm-hmm. um, that mold me, you know, within nonprofits and DPD, you know, Mm -hmm. being an advocate within Detroit Police Department for 14 years was absolutely amazing, but it didn't come without its trials and tribulations. You know, here we talk about self-care and support and everything, but, you know, I was out there by myself, you know, for a very, very long time as an advocate because I worked for a nonprofit. However, I was uh, within the police department, so that was some real heavy ground to navigate at times. You know, I inadvertently became an investigator because that's what happened. You become an investigator you learn the skills of the police. Um, so that, to me, just made me a phenomenal advocate, you know. And then I started training all the other advocates across the city within the other precincts to kind of get them to say, hey, these are the, this is the proper way to be an advocate. These are the things you need to do. And as far as, again, self-care, we use all these kind of buzzwords, self-care and everything. Um, and that was new because we didn't talk about self-care. That was just something that you didn't talk about, you know, years ago. You just did the work. You took took your vacation and then you kind of got back to the work. Um, so trying to figure out what self-care even looks like was difficult for me mm-hmm. because I was like, you know, what is this? And then you come up feeling guilty if you decide that you need to step back from it. Um, you're like, oh, man, you know, should I take a vacation or should I tell people I'm burned out? You know, should I talk about compassion fatigue? Because these were some things you just didn't do. You right. process it with your, within yourself. You know, you use your coping mechanism, whatever they may be, and you just rolled with it. So I'm happy that they're having these conversations about taking care of yourself and mm-hmm. how important it is to be able to step back from the work. Because for so many years, I was never given that space of grace to step mm-hmm. back from the work. I was never, ever given that. Mm-hmm. So I'm really happy that it's something that a conversation that they are having now yeah when we talk about domestic violence and and so avalon is a is a sexual violence sexual assault organization strictly sexual assault Mm -hmm. and katie mentioned earlier how there is a correlation between domestic violence and sexual assault Mm -hmm. um and oftentimes people ask me well why don't y'all do domestic violence and i'm like I think the partnerships that we have with the domestic violence organizations allow us to really dig deep into sexual assault and and bring forth a topic that a lot of people don't talk about. And so then, because these get to be long conversations, right? So then can you kind of go into the correlation between domestic violence and sexual assault and maybe even defining what they are because a lot of people don't even know that they're survivors until you really start talking to them about what 
that looks like. And then they're in shock, like, wait a minute, I am a survivor, mm-hmm. whether it be domestic violence or sexual assault. And, you know, that's that's a good question, because one of the things in Wayne County that has to be done, unfortunately, is you have to pick your victimization. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a crime victim, I will I will use Detroit, for instance. You know, you have to decide if you're a victim of domestic violence, sexual assault, is it child abuse? You know, what is it? You know, your crime is kind of dissected and then placed with the um law enforcement agency that it'll be handled by be a sex crime and or domestic violence and that's one of the things that would always and it still does it really gets to me today because why should I have to pick my victimization because domestic violence and sexual assault is definitely uh, intersectionality there right Mm -hmm. and if you're in a domestic violence situation, sometimes you're so focused on the physical, the economic, the mental or the verbal, you're not even realizing that that sex that you're having that's coerced that you don't want to have, that that's rape, mm-hmm. you know, or sexual assault, whatever term you want to use. You know, you don't even think that that may come later on down the line. You'll be talking about it and go, oh, wait, yeah, this happened. Um, because, again, you're so focused on the sexual assault or you'll come in, we'll get the kid done and through dialogue with the nurse or the advocate you will find out that this is a domestic relationship so you really can't separate the two I know uh, many organizations want to separate the two but you really can't Mm -hmm. and I think that that is only what makes the organization stronger if you're able to address all of those issues as opposed to sending a survivor or victim somewhere else I'm sorry we can't help you here to me that's unacceptable Mm -hmm. if I bring you on as a victim and survivor and say that I'm gonna assist you I, as an advocate, should be able to handle whatever you bring to the table. I should be able to handle that issue right then and there. I shouldn't have to refer you out. That is what a well-rounded advocate is, someone who's able to handle domestic violence and or sexual assault and even trafficking if it comes mm-hmm. to down to it. You know, you should have the base information for all these issues. You don't have to have a Ph.D. in it. You don't have to have a master's. Right. It's just kind of knowing what to do in that moment. Mm-hmm. I think that's what makes advocacy effective. So I'm sorry, Katie. I got I got okay, a couple going. more questions. So <laughs> I went to a domestic violence um, event the other, well, probably about a week ago or something. And I got confused about it because I know there's intimate partner violence. Mm-hmm. And then there's domestic violence. And mm-hmm. then the way that things are set up here in Detroit, you have the domestic violence detectives and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then they w- went further to say that some things don't come to them they stay at the precinct Mm -hmm. so then I got confused and I'm like well what do you mean and so elder abuse was something that would go to the domestic violence detectives and I believe that they said intimate partners Mm -hmm. or people that live together or have children is is -hmm. what they take care of because when I think of domestic violence I'm thinking if I live in a house with my sister and we get into a fight that's domestic violence right yeah it, it can definitely be considered domestic <laughs> violence but usually those issues are handled within that precinct right um, it doesn't go off as like a specialized it'll be handled in house at that precinct where that crime occurred okay mm-hmm. so so that's how they split it up and yes. then elder abuse kind of threw me off mm-hmm. because that goes to the domestic violence detectives. And yeah. I'm like, well, how did that happen? Okay. Um, they had a spec. Well, I don't know if it's still there, but it was an investigator that specialized in elder abuse there. And there's mm-hmm. also a prosecutor that specialized in elder abuse at Wayne County prosecutor's office. So that was kind of where that relationship was established from. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then my last question, and I'm going to stop taking over the mic, but, um, how likely is it that if there's a domestic violence situation between intimate partners 
um, that sexual assault occurs? Mm, you know, it again, so that is a conversation. You have to handle that on a case-by-case basis. Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely say it's definitely likely, but it's, again, something that that survivor wants to disclose Mm -hmm. that this is happening because with sexual assault in the intimate partner relationship, it's really hard to talk about, you know, Mm -hmm. it's really hard to talk about. It's really hard to kind of distinguish is this sexual assault, even with marriage, you know, there's Mm -hmm. marital rape, you know, that's Mm -hmm. something that I learned, you know, early on and a lot of individuals did not want to have that conversation, but yes, uh, there's a such thing as marital rape. And that's a fairly new law. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, they are treating it like it's new, but it's really not new um it's something that i don't think a lot of people use we really don't talk about it um it may come up during safety planning or during divorce and custody or something like that it may come up but it's not something that's readily talked about okay Mm -hmm. well um along with being the domestic violence guru in the Mm -hmm. office you're also our resource guru and Mm -hmm. i know i have learned so much from you watching you over the years um and, you know, working with clients that it's so much more than individual counseling or group counseling. Um, you really have honed in like this master list of resources because people don't realize that when we see clients, they they might need food, they might need shelter, they might need furniture, they might need a job. I mean, there's so many things that clients need on top of the you know counseling that's just like the baseline and i am always amazed at what you're sending out to staff letting staff know hey like there's this free medical clinic here or there's this you know food bank over here or something like that and i mean that alone is like a whole nother job on top of all of the other things that you're doing and so and I can imagine you you being around for years, doing this for like over 25 years, like you just have, are a wealth of knowledge when it comes to places here, especially here in the city of Detroit, where clients can go and, and get access and, and free free services and things. Yeah, I do know a lot about a lot of stuff. But what happened was I was by myself for so long at the precinct. I was really isolated, right? And... I had to go out and create my own relationships, resources about relationships, getting out here, having conversations with people and finding out how you can help each other. I think we've kind of came away from that, Um, especially now with COVID. Everyone is so kind of isolated within themselves. But Mm -hmm. I literally went from organization to organization, boots to the ground, because there are a lot of small nonprofits that are doing really great work. And they just don't get the recognition that they deserve because they're so small. They don't have the big budgets, the grants or anything. Mm -hmm. They're surviving on shoestring budgets, but they are doing really, really good work. So one of the things I did back in 2011 um, because I, I really got tired of going to the same places being rejected. I started doing what they call bartering services. Um, if you needed, say, for instance, someone to, um, I had someone that needed to get into rehab. You know, I created a relationship with ShareHouse, with Genesis, um, that I would go in and I would start doing domestic violence classes, parenting classes, if you would accept my survivors. Uh, if I call you up, you know, I always knew I had a guaranteed bed there because they would need me to come in once a month or so often to do restraining orders. So, again, I just started going to other nonprofits and exchanging my services 
experiences for what it is that I needed for them. And it worked wonderfully because I didn't know what else to do. You know, we give people these lists and these phone numbers. You say, hey, call them, call them. But sometimes they may need you to do the calling because they simply don't have it in them anymore to make these calls to get rejected, you know, or they don't know what to say. Or you may get frustrated because you've gotten rejected so many times. Mm -hmm. So I think that that was important to learn um, how to be patient and also to teach my survivors slash victims how to advocate for themselves Uh, because it can be a tiring process, extremely frustrating. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to relationships, you can't beat it. You cannot. It's certain places I can call and the first thing I'll say, hey, this is Miss Cook Um, because I'm not, you know, trying to brag or anything. But, hey, my voice and my work loomed large in this city because it was I did not have a problem getting up in the middle of the night. I did not have a problem not answering my phone because I was in it to win it. And if it was something I can do to keep another woman from or child from being hurt, I did that. Because, again, I just wish someone was there to help my mom because my mother was a victim of domestic violence and I was a victim of child abuse. And I, my motto was be the woman you needed as a child, mm-hmm. and that will never change. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, That just really shows just how passionate and dedicated you are to this work. And we just can't thank you enough. We're so lucky to have you at Avalon. Yeah, you are. Your you clients, are. <laughs> your clients are so lucky to have you. I mean, they are. And I love them, you know. And, and I love the staff, you know. I love teaching uh, the younger advocates, you know, what I know because again, I was blessed with wisdom from a lot of older advocates that kind of saved me a lot of stress. Yeah. Um, these younger advocates now, it's kind of you so focused on the educational portion, you got to understand there's a real life component to this right um and you have to accept that i think that if you go to your elders for that wisdom you can save yourself a lot of work and tuition <laughs> because again <laughs> and uh, i can't teach this in books not at all you can't not teach at people all. skills in books not and, at and all being able to read and pick up on energy and body language and telling that it's something wrong with somebody even if they're like no i'm fine no i could look in your face and your eyes and tell that it's something wrong and to be able to figure out what it is. That's right. One, and one and we've the, come away from lifting up survivors. You know, we talk about it, but I would like to see people really be about it because right. this movement at one point was really about survivors. It was their movement. Right. And they've kind of taken the survivor out of it. They used the survivors for um, when they need them as opposed to empowering them, teaching them how to be advocates for themselves and other mm-hmm. women in the community. Mm-hmm. I just recently, I've been working with a survivor now for two and a half years mm-hmm. um, who made it very clear she wanted to be an advocate and I have done everything I can mm-hmm. and she's now working as an advocate because I knew she had it in her mm-hmm. so we just I just kept drilling it to her just giving her all the information mm-hmm. that I had and she would get rejected because oh you don't have a degree but even if she had a degree you can't teach what this lady know yeah, you know she's always an expert in, yep. in what she's going through so I know she's going to go forward and do great things and I'm excited about it because this is what it's supposed to be about empowering uplifting and educating educating them to get to where they need to be because if you give them resources and educate and empower them they won't become a victim again because you actually equip them with tools that they need to move on from that you know you've given them that's right their self-worth their self-esteem and this is what this movement is supposed to be about well i think i think one important thing so one thing that you talked about before is community so one of the things that i like to do too 
I say everybody's useful. I mean, yes. it, it could be the person that damn cleaners. Like yes. we can find something for everybody That's to right. do. That's right. because people want to help. Everybody want to help, help, and they're looking for you. They're looking at you to say, "What can I do?" And you figure out what they that's can right. do and make them fit into that. That's right. So I think that's important. And I, you know, I, I I like what you said about the education component. Like education is is great, but when you get certain cases, it's not in the book. Like you, you have to think, be a free thinker, and and, right. and think outside of the box, That's and really right. try to do other things. That's right. And and I really wish that we would get more towards back to that, and and thinking about those things. When some people, and what bothers me, is the way some people look at survivors, like they're needy or they went through some trauma, yeah. but they aren't. They they're still able to be. As great as they plan, they hit, they hit a speed bump. Absolutely, and that's why you can't go into this with that Superman mentality, right? Yeah. You know, I'm not here to save anyone. I'm just here to offer you the tools you need. You know, in my much younger days, I went in with the attitude, of, oh, I got to save them, I got to fix them. And then once you sit down and listen, I realized I didn't know shit. You know, <laughs> they were the ones who were educating me. Mm-hmm. You know, the women at the shelter are the ones who educated me on how to utilize the show, uh, the system and how to get Medicaid and things that other things that I needed to know hell that I didn't even know I needed to know they (laughs) educated me and again women when they're together and they're in a positive environment and they can think straight man we are amazing Mm -hmm. absolutely amazing and again even with men you know I've had men clients um they're not as forthcoming it's a little more um, difficult and complex when it comes to dealing with men, mm-hmm. but men are victims too. Mm-hmm. You know, they're definitely victims too. Yeah. Can you tell us about? We talked about all of the domestic violence and your wealth of knowledge and everything. <laughs> but what do you do at Avalon? Tell us about your position. So now at Avalon, as the Wellness Center Director of Advocacy, uh, with our follow-up clinic, one of the things that I do is we have. Um, a nurse, a PA that's on staff that does the follow-up for the injuries and we test for uh, absolutely free uh, for gonorrhea, chlamydia. We do rapid HIV testing. And then after, during their um, follow-up, I check kind of check in and make sure they're okay because everyone doesn't want counseling services, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just got to check in on people. So one of my things is to make sure they have health insurance, to check and see how they feel after their injury, to kind of gauge where they are mentally, um, because you may not want counseling, but you may need to talk about the incident afterwards. You know, I may help them find health insurance. And one of the things that we're dealing with now is these doctor bills. Mm -hmm. Um, Our survivors are being charged. So now I'm working with um, the state of Michigan to get them reimbursed for their uh, doctor bills so I work on finding additional resources for them or getting with their advocate to say hey maybe I uh, suggest that you go and look at this person again even though they say they didn't want services mm-hmm. uh, you might just want to give them a call just to check in with them um, also I'm looking for additional medical support um, we are finding that a lot of our survivors don't have insurance, but they have pre-existing conditions that definitely need to be addressed. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that I've been working with is Detroit Community Health um, to see if we can kind of find someone where we can refer them for free until we get them um, their Medicaid or whatever insurance they have squared away. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And one of the projects that I 
feel very blessed that I got to work with you on is our Glow and Grow Garden. Yes. For everybody listening, Glenda is quite the green thumb. I'm not. She, she's a, a hoarder of plants. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am. A collector of plant deals. Yes, I am. <laughs> um, she, she will find all the good plants all across Wayne County. I will. Um, and I will stop and dig them up out the ground if necessary. She will. If, wow. if, they're, if they're not being cared for, she will take them in and love them as her own. I will. Um, <laughs> but we, uh, we were very blessed to have a garden space. We're currently... Um, looking and we will be getting a garden space very soon um tell us a little bit about that project you worked on and what are some plans or things for the future for it so it was it was a phenomenal experience um we acquired some space uh in northwest goldberg um unfortunately the space sold when COVID hit um but we had a amazing time at the garden Mm -hmm. um just kind of planting flowers laughing and it was funny how the relationships were just so organic you know Mm -hmm. We were just breaking ground, yes. picking up trash, wearing garbage bags, just having a good time. But at the same time, the women were, they started to interact and they started to talk to each other and they were healing each other without even knowing mm-hmm. something that simple was sitting there painting tires, having a conversation about what they went through, what their experiences were coming through Avalon and it was such an amazing thing to watch, and I, I would just sit there because at first I didn't think it was going to work. But we had to clean up those two first cleanups. I was like, no, nobody coming back. I'm in it to win. It is over. Uh, but they kept coming, and, and, you know, so we expanded. We started cooking, and then we started having groups inside the garage, um, and it was amazing because, again, you had somewhere safe that you can talk about your incidents, and you can just kind of leave it there in the dirt and walk away from it. So we always say let's just bury it right here mm-hmm. and then just move on from it so unfortunately again we lost the space but we're going to have it again in mm-hmm. our new building we're going to have a garden because there's already a pollinator garden there mm-hmm. so what we're going to do we're just going to claim it and make it our own yeah. for the survivors I've already talked about what flowers they want to see um, I've already bought 200 and some dollars worth of bulbs for them mm-hmm. so wow. we're ready we're ready you know I'm just speaking into existence it's going to happen and I look forward to it and I just hope this time we'll get a lot more participants. Yeah. You know, I'll be right there with you helping you out because I am so excited about it. And I really just think it's such a unique opportunity for clients just to get out in nature. And, you know, sometimes that's all you need to heal is just to grow something. Absolutely. Because you literally are digging those weeds out of your soul. You Mm -hmm. just, just going at it and just getting it out. And I'll never forget the one client who had the hammer and she was breaking down that old (laughs) fence. And it was amazing to watch her. And then she said, it feels so good. And I was like, yeah, keep mm-hmm. breaking it down. Keep doing it. <laughs> you know, she, it was just so, so good for her to be able to kind of just do those physical things. Because sometimes to move trauma out of your body, you have to do something physical. Mm-hmm. And that's what was happening. It was working when Sharon wasn't sneezing and taking her care. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, you know that's it. Right, right. She doesn't <laughs> take sneezing. time. And I was like, what work? is happening? Yeah. Or the, the bee nest that we found okay, yeah, we, we had a couple of things, you know, yeah. it happens, it happens, they ain't mean no harm, they were just trying to figure out what was happening. They just we, wanted to say hi. That's it, we moved, they're, they're home. But again, I look forward to it because again, that garden definitely provided us a safe space to kind of just chop it up. And it also 
gave the community a bird's eye view of what we were doing because mm-hmm. Henry Ford uh, became very interested in what we were doing. Henry mm-hmm. Ford and uh, the nurses and the security. And then when they seen all our flowers coming up and we had the JR project, you know, the first one oh, that was yeah. done in that Detroit, was that was amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, and I thank you all for participating in that because it was something that started as a conversation and to be able to have those ladies' faces up on that wall, you know, they own that garden that that was theirs. So, again, I really do look forward to doing more activities like that because, again, I want the survivors to be able to take their rightful place in this movement because, again, it is their movement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love the way that Avalon thinks outside the box. Like you said, everybody doesn't want to sit across from somebody and talk about it. That's right. So I love the outlets that we have to, right. to still provide healing. Mm-hmm. And, and just have a variety of ways to do so. And you can engage in one or you can engage in all of them or all of the groups, mm-hmm. secondary survivors, you know, yes. working with families, teaching families how to, you know, especially like with parents, well, it was my fault, you know, how to get them to be okay so that they can tend to, you know, the survivor and, and make it about the survivor and not them. Like, it's just so many things that we're working on that we do there. And I'm just really proud to work with y'all, and, and I appreciate y'all so much. Yep, I appreciate you all, too. And, again, I do. I like the think, thinking outside the box approach that um, we have there. That's mm-hmm. one of the things that um, I can definitely say is one of my A1s at Avalon Healing Center is your thinking or ideas are not limited. You know, mm-hmm. I really want to give a shout-out to Kim for that because you don't have to be limited in your thinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the opportunity to kind of just try it out just to see if it's going to be a good fit for for the survivors. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we are going to wrap it up today with the lightning round, which okay. is one of my favorite rounds because this is my opportunity to ask questions to learn a, a little bit more about you um, on a personal level. Mm-hmm. So first question is, what are your two favorite restaurants here in Detroit? Okay, so two favorite restaurants. Somewhere we always go is the Chicken Man on oh, Dick's Post Gallows. Favorite, right? The best, okay? Mm-hmm. You get full for $7. Mm-hmm. I love it. And something that I find myself somewhere going often is Faux Lucky's down on Woodward. I really, really, really <laughs> like their the spring rolls. <laughs> yes, I forgot all about spring rolls. Spring rolls are really good. Um, so I definitely say those are my favorite, too. <laughs> okay, well, everybody listening needs to hit those two places up because Glenda <laughs> knows about food, and it's good food. <laughs> Um, second question, um, do you have a favorite quote? I do. I do. And I actually just shared this quote with someone. Um, my brother and I had a quote that we used to use all the time. If ever two won one, surely we. Because we were just so close. Mm-hmm. And I just shared that with someone who recently lost their brother because I know what it is to be like thick as these with your brother and not have him there anymore. So, yeah, if ever two were one, surely we. Because we mm-hmm. were definitely uh, one, I would always get in trouble. <laughs> I was the one, but it it was all good. It was all good. Well, just a little sweet note on that. So I happen to know who you shared that with, mm-hmm. and they shared it on Instagram this morning oh, with Aww. a picture of their brother. Okay. Aww. So yeah. I thought, now I know where that came from. That's right, because That's it sweet. does. It goes a long way. It, it definitely does when you have those moments where you just miss them. Just, you can't even explain it. You know, you just find comfort in certain things. Yes, Mm ma'am. Okay, and last question. Um, 
Well, I think we can all kind of guess what one of your self-care activities is. <laughs> Maybe involves plants. But can you tell me any more um, about your self-care routine or something you do for yourself? I do. Okay, so I love, like, rescuing things, right? Um, I do. <laughs> like I'm, I'm Not only plants, but I'm a garbage picker. I mean, not like literal garbage, but I found some really amazing things, like, on the curb that you can restore. And I have had an amazing time restoring things. I found a beautiful bookcase. Just so many things. It's just because, again, we have so much waste. I didn't realize how much waste we have. And uh, I found it just therapeutic to restore these things and give them to my clients. It's just something about it. I absolutely love it. I love it. I've been in abandoned garages. I know I'm crazy. But, again, (laughs) it it was just amazing the things I found and have restored the benches in my flower garden. Found those and restored them. And, again, because people need things. So, I love it just to restore it, paint it, spray paint it, clean it up, and give it to someone else. And I I know it's not like a big footprint, but, again, I feel like I'm doing my part by just not just trashing things all the time or Mm -hmm. just constantly buying, buying, buying. So, yeah, I find a lot of therapy in that. She is obviously very resourceful (laughs) in all areas. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've been to her flower garden. It's absolutely beautiful, and she has collected several paver stones that she's making walkways. It's it's very whimsical and magical. Yeah, because if you look around the city, what people consider junk, I never even thought about it before. Um, it's You can save yourself so much money just by stopping and looking. I found just some great things that people consider junk or, you know, um, unfortunately it's illegal dumping, um, but... I cleaned up a lot all by myself by removing all the bricks that they mm-hmm. considered themselves dumping because they were still useful. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just doing my little green part for the earth. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Glenda, for joining us. It's been thank a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yes, Learned it a lot was of information. Really you can check Glenda out at Avalon. Um, Check out some of our groups. Check out our website, our institute, and all of that great stuff. That's right. That's right. And don't hesitate to give us a call, 313-964-9701. We'll be waiting for your call. Thank you. All right. Bye.